This is Pastor Matt Harmless, and welcome to another episode of Edgewood Sermon Audio. This is the sermon from December the 24th, 2023. This is the Christmas sermon, and uh, this comes from me, Pastor Matt Harmless, and we'll be talking about the word shalom today in this sermon. Let's pray. Father, dismiss it. Let's do that. Heavenly Father, I thank you again and again and again for this day, and I thank you for what this day represents. I thank you for what tomorrow represents. I thank you, Lord, for bringing us here. I thank you, God, for your word, the truth that is in it. Lord, I ask that you would reveal that to us by your supernatural power today as we, Lord, as I speak and everyone listens, Lord, I pray that it would truly be, in the end, not just a guy getting up here talking, but it would be truth from your word represented today in a way that those that are here that are hearers will hear and understand. I pray this now in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, before I go through my slideshow, and then I'll have you turn the lights on when we're done with the slideshow, if you don't mind. Um, this is the last one for a while, and so uh, this, is, this is easy to do. All I have to do is say this. Hey, if you haven't gotten saved yet, do it today. Let's do it. Let's get it done. If you're still living in sin, stop it. How many times do I got to say it? You're dismissed. Thank you. Do you ever feel, this is a redundant question. You're going to know the answer as soon as I ask it. Do you ever feel like there's something wrong in the world? I've got some pictures here. Oh, I've got to turn it on for it to click. It was on, but it's not working. It's dead. Isn't that wonderful? Something is wrong in this world. Um, you want to click for me? All right. In a moment, I'll have you stop clicking. Go, Edgewood. You ever feel like there's something wrong in the world? These are all pictures just from this last year. Um. I'm not, gonna put, I'm not putting these up to try to elicit some emotional response, although I think that that should be and ought to be appropriate. Um, but I think that as you look at these and you think about this last year, if you don't look at these things and look at the world and watch the news and think, man, there's something wrong in this world. Like I said, these are all pictures from this year. Go ahead and click to the next one. Go ahead. I, I laugh at this one because you'll look at that one and everybody in this room could have a different reason why that's wrong. <laughs> Old towns burn out. Go ahead, click. I don't know if anybody remembers that one. Those are those tornadoes. I think that was June. Go ahead. I mean, so when I'm talking about the wrong, go ahead and click to the next one. I'm talking about wrong in a lot of ways, aren't I? Not just with us, but with the world around us. There's a lot wrong. Death, tragedy, everything else in the world around us. That's that earthquake in Tur Turkey that happened this year. 50,000 people died in that. I forgot the number. Go ahead and click. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, pause on this one for a second. I, 
I felt like I needed, this came out in the news yesterday. This is a nativity scene in Italy. This priest, I don't know if you notice it by looking at it, but there's no Joseph, there's two moms. Go ahead and click. Go ahead and click. Now pause right there, don't go to the next one yet. Um, something wrong with our world. There's something wrong in the world. And don't you just, just feel it, right? Do you ever watch it for a little bit and go, I don't want to see it anymore, Matt. In fact, you may be thinking right now, Matt, I came here Christmas. I didn't want to think about that. Okay, go ahead and click. Go. It's all better. Yeah, some of you aren't cat people. You're dog people, right? Go back to the cat one again. Kitten, fuzzy kitten. Fuzzy little kitten, little pretty Christmas kitten. Go ahead, go back to the puppy. Okay, all right. Go to the blank slide. Let's get that off there. Go ahead and turn the lights on for me. I think as well, when I think about this, I think not only do you feel is there something wrong out there, do you ever feel like there's something wrong with your own world? Maybe not the job you wanted, not the life you would have chosen, your business didn't work, you're lonely, things around you are failing, your marriage isn't the way you thought it was going to be, it's not right, the children aren't right, your health isn't right, your finances aren't right, everything is just off. Maybe you've lost things, relationships, people. That losing of people, I know I can say that out loud and it elicits different thoughts. I mean, I can look around this room and go, it, it can elicit different thoughts for different people in this room, what it means to lose people. Some of you have people that you've lost a long time ago, but you still feel like it was just yesterday and you're like, I just want to see that person can't it's off there's grief what about past regrets or failures most of us I think if you were honest right now before God you'd say your life is full of regrets and failures and you just if there's anything man I wish I could just go back and wipe it clean Throw the puppy and the kitten back up there again for a second. Leave it there for a minute. That doesn't solve anything, does it, really? Okay, get it off there. Leave it blank for a minute. In fact, any of those things don't really solve it, do they? Scrolling. You scroll. You know what most of us are doing when we're doing that? Trying to forget. Looking at funny videos, playing video games, watching TV, catching a football game. Just going to church sometimes does this. Maybe it's working harder, trying harder, or because this is Danville, Illinois, weed. To forget. To bring some version of all of this, get away for just a moment. But it doesn't really solve anything, does it? might feel like it for a minute, but it doesn't really. 
in the Hebrew language, there's a word for the resolution of all things. Probably heard this, haven't you? Shalom. To talk about it in terms of just what's the English word we usually think of when we think of this word? Peace. To talk about it in terms of just peace misses the point of this word. Go ahead and click. Uh, there's a definition. I'm going to give a Hebrew definition of this. Completeness, soundness, welfare, or peace. And then we're going to go through some, some aspects of this. Just different ways that this word shalom, what it means, and what it would have meant to the Jewish people when they used this word. Go ahead. Completeness in number. Just the right amount of muffins. Just enough money. Just enough people. Just the right number of days of my life or of their life. Safety, soundness in body. Refer to that. Can also refer to welfare as in health or prosperity, but never for the sake of just those things. Health and prosperity for the sake of making everything at peace. That can then demonstrate itself in peace or quiet or tranquility or contentment, those feelings, right? That's what we associate it with a lot. But it's when the Bible talks about those things, they're talking about it in terms of real things bringing that about. Does that make sense? Not false tranquility, real tranquility based in real peace, real shalom. Peace and friendships of human relationships, but especially with God in that covenant relationship, peace with God, the creator and the sustainer of the universe, to be at peace with him in good relationship with him. Peace from war, and peace can also be used as an adjective. In other words, you can sometimes they would take that word and tack it onto so many other concepts, the peace in these things. So let's talk about that, let's talk about that. In fact, okay, shift off this for just a minute. Something about me, I wanna tell you. 14 years of ministry, 14 and a half, almost 15 years of ministry, has equated for me 15 years of studying the Bible more than I probably would have done on my own. Right? <laughs> it's true. When, you're, when you are required to get up here and present God's word and you, you understand what that's, what's happening when you do that, there's, there's a lot of pressure to think, I've got, I, I wanna get this accurate and right. I, I wanna, and, and so it's studying it. Reading it. And there's things that I've learned over the years. There's things that just have come to a little bit more fulfillment or understanding that way. But one of the things that I've learned over these last 14 years, almost 15 years, is that what Christ accomplished on the cross was a lot bigger than I used to think it was. I used to look at what Christ did on the cross as something kind of like this. This is what I used to think of Christ doing. What he did on the cross was like this. Oh, great, the door's locked. There, I'll use this one. I wanted to use that one. That's the Arminian door, right? Uh, so just an opening of a door. Here you go. Making a possibility of something. And I, you cannot read the scriptures and read what Christ did and walk away from it thinking that Christ didn't accomplish real things on the cross. Amongst many of those things, we think about actual sins forgiven. 
not the idea of sins that could be forgiven in the cross, but when Christ died on the cross, there was real, and we use the word atonement, making it one, there was real retribution, real taking care of sin on behalf of actual human beings at the cross. It's important, hold that thought. There's so much more that was accomplished. There was a real kingdom that was established just before that, but was planted firmly when Christ died on the cross, but then when he was resurrected, he ascended to the right hand of the Father, and the Bible says he reigns and rules right now. I used to think I was waiting for that. No, it's happening. He's king now. His kingdom has started already. That's one of the things that I've learned, but one of the key things in the midst of all of that, shalom, real peace. He made peace. He established peace. In my opinion, nothing captures the tension of this better than the announcement of the angels to the shepherds. That was one of the verses that really just solidified it for me. I could go back in time. I preached through Luke chapter two, got to verse 14. Go ahead and let's look at it. He says, glory, the angels proclaim to the shepherds after they make some statements, they proclaim glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace. And then we make, what do we do with this? We make little Christmas signs, don't we, that say peace? But have you ever looked at that and thought, where's the peace? I mean, you could turn on the news, there's no peace. And yet it sounds like when you read these things that there was peace established. He's bringing peace. Imagine those angels, peace. And I imagine hearing those angels, if I could have been one of those shepherds and hearing those angels and thought, yes, finally. Here we are 2,000 years later, where's the peace? What if it's there and we're not looking at these things the right way? That's what I'm talking about right now. Maybe there is a true peace that's been established and we've forgotten it. Glory to God in the highest. Another passage that embraces the tension of this for me personally was written 700 years earlier. Now let your mind wrap in that because I'm gonna read it. You see it right there. I'm gonna read it and you're gonna read it and go, that sounds like a Christmas this was written 700 years before Jesus was born. Let your mind think about that for a second. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be, wonderful, shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. Like when he starts that kingdom and it starts blossoming into full peace, there's no end to it. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal, the energy, the righteous energy of the Lord of hosts will do this. When he established that kingdom, it did not fail. I'm telling you right now, you cannot read the New Testament and ever get a hint that any of those writers in that New Testament thought the church would fail. We walk around sometimes in our world like, well, it's all going to hell in a handbasket. I'm gonna sit back and relax. Eventually he's coming back, he'll fix everything. And there's some truth to that, but if you just live right there, you're missing the kingdom. And he kept saying it. I mean, think about all the times we've been looking at Luke, all the times that again and again and again, Jesus said, the kingdom of his heaven is a hand right now. And then when he went to reign 
on high, what do we say? He, in fact, it fulfills a prophecy that he will sit at the right hand of the throne of the Father until all of his enemies are placed under his feet. One of the most telling passages of scripture, I think, that captures what's going on in our world is that parable that Jesus told of the wheat and the tares. There's this field, it's the world. And there's wheat planted, it's his kingdom. That's not all that's there. And he talks about this wheat and this tares growing up. So here's this kingdom of God. It was planted, it's growing, it's blossoming, it's blooming, it's exploding into the world. But so is this other kingdom. Right alongside it. One day will Jesus come and harvest? Yes, but it's a harvest of a full-blown kingdom of God. Not a church that failed, but a church that succeeded. In the New Testament, this idea of peace was so essential that so many times, I'll give you one example, Acts 10, 36, that this concept of peace was attached to the concept of the good news. There's a lot of examples I could give, but here's one. Preaching good news, that's what they're doing, preaching good news of peace with Jesus Christ. Now, if I wanted to do a full explanation or exploration of peace, I would have to write a book or two. But because it's Christmas Eve, I mean, I could. I could take some time here today. Captive audience. We can't leave. It's my last time. You can't be like, well, I don't want to sit for this. You're going to get out and walk out on his last time. Seriously? But I won't. Let's jump to I'm going to skip to the application. There are three points of application of this. Okay? Number one that we're going to talk about, don't click it yet. Number one we're going to talk about is embracing peace with God. Because of what we're talking about with this peace, I believe that we as people need to full on embrace it. Now, I use the word embrace because that takes something. I mean, you know me, I'm not a hugger. To go in for a full on embrace, you got to go all in, don't you? I mean, for me, I do. Some of you are like, no problem. I have people all the time. I, it's not me. I mean, it, if I'm coming, I'm like, ooh, right? It takes a bit. i got to be all in, and that's why I chose that word embrace. you got to embrace. There's this peace with God. I'm trying to tell you it's a real peace with God, not something theoretical. And I'm saying go all in. Embrace the peace with God. Second. Evidence this peace with your brothers and sisters in Christ. And third, we're going to talk about offering peace, this peace to others. So let's hit the first one. Embrace peace with God. Just a couple passages. So many I could talk about. A real common, common one, Romans 5.1. Therefore, since we have been justified, declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Not we are going to get it. We have it. Now, I don't have any my, anything in my notes to help you grasp that reality. I tried to wrestle with, how do I say this so that you grasp this? I got nothing. I'll try in just a minute. Let me give another passage of scripture. One that Paul preached on not that long ago, Colossians 1.20. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on heaven or on earth, making peace by the blood of his cross. At the cross of Jesus Christ, peace was made. What does this mean? It means you can have, through the blood of Jesus Christ, absolute peace with God the Father. No matter what you've done, 
no matter what you did, no matter how you've lived, no matter what you've thought, no matter what actions you've taken or wanted to take, no matter how horrendous you've been, it's all true. It does, you couldn't, I'm so confident in this, I'm going to tell you right now, you put it on the line, you come to me afterwards and tell me some horrendous thing that you think there's no way. And I'm going to tell you right now, I'm 100% confident I can look you in the eye and say, no, that can be forgiven. That can be paid for on the cross. In fact, if you are a child of God, it was paid for. Not theoretically. If you're a child of God, it was paid for. That relationship with the Father was restored through the work of Christ. You will never get a phone call with God where he's breaking up. You're not gonna get dumped on the final day. You can never do something so horrendous that he goes, I just can't. Nothing. If you are a child of God, it doesn't, matter the worst of the worst of the worst things that humanity has ever done when Christ died on the cross if a person who's committed those things is now a child of God those things were paid for 2,000 years ago in full you've probably you're probably going to do things before you die that are even worse than you've already done you don't have to sit in fear like well what if I what if I what if I no it's paid for. I know we operate that way sometimes. Sometimes we do things and we think, oh, I got to rebuild my relationship with God. You know why we do that? Because that's how you operate. People do stuff to you and you're like, it's going to take some doing. I'm not, nope, not getting back on that horse again. That is not how God operates. He's not like you. Thankfully, he's not like us. That's not him. And you know why? It's because the peace was made apart from us. In a longer explanation of this, Paul the Apostle in Ephesians, one of the first passages I preached through when I came to this church was Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14, it says, For he himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. He is the peace. The peace treaty with God is a person. It's Jesus. He stands at the right hand of the throne of the Father and he says, paid for, and you don't have to build that up to get right with God. Jesus stands as the peace we have with the Father. We were at enmity with God not anymore there's peace what does this look like well number one i think stop wallowing around in regrets that's hard i get it i get it i totally get it it's hard to move past some of the things you've done in this life well stop it i know that's not always helpful but at some point you, you, you know what this looks like for me Because since peace isn't talking about 
tranquility. I should have some spa music going. I'm not talking about that. But you know what? Here's the thing. Here's how it works for me, me personally. I'm just going to tell you. This is how it works for me. When regrets, right, past sins come to my mind, I don't try to just go, don't think about it. Just don't think. Just try not to think about it. I take those things and I, I go, okay, Jesus, let's look at them in, their, in all of their sarcastic glory. Let's not hide any little nook and cranny from you, Father. Here you go. And then I start to tell myself, remind myself what the scriptures say about these things. Christ is my peace with you. God, I'm so glad that this, that if my peace with you, Father, was based on things that I've done, I could never, it just, it never add up. And I start to tell myself, remind myself, sometimes I have to get out my Bible and remind, look at it to see, wait, how was that phrased? Oh, you've been justified by faith. You've been declared righteous by faith. Apart from works, it's not what you have done, Matt. And you know what? The reality is that is what I'm talking about. When I talk about embracing peace, that's what it looks like. In fact, one of the most powerful ways you can do that is right in the middle of a temptation, and you're half into the sin. When you in that moment go, hold everything, Jesus, what am I doing? Father, help me right now. And you, you don't go, some, now sometimes, I, you know what I used to do when I, it was that moment? I was like, I, I, might, I might step away, but then I was like, I, it usually take a week. And I'm not Catholic, but I, somehow, for some reason, I always felt like I had to do penance. Okay, I can't even pray yet, Lord. Oh. Make sure I've read my Bible enough. I'm going to read my Bible this many times. I'm going to do this this many times, go to church. And then after about a week, I go, okay, Lord, now can I pray to you? One of the most powerful things that I did that actually had the effect as well of helping me defeat those sins in my life was to immediately jump into, like, the audacity that I'm forgiven already right now. Like, I can just right now go, God, I'm sorry. You knew that already. I'm already forgiven. Help me, Lord, not to live in this or even in the regret of this or the guilt of this because it's all been taken care of. Help me right now to go, to go back to, I don't, have, I don't have to go and wallow over here for two weeks before I can get back to where I was at. No, I can jump right back. It's audacious. It's scandalous, isn't it? Doesn't it feel that way? Who can sin in the morning and go to the church five hours later and, and worship God? Someone who gets what Christ has done. Embrace it with all, every fiber of your being. Believe it, embrace it. I think I could even say what I said earlier in my shortened version. Get saved. If you're not already, today's the day. You can have peace with God the Father Almighty, the creator of the heavens and the earth. You can have peace with him by faith alone. Number two, evidence peace. That Ephesians passage actually brings me to this second point. Evidence peace with your brothers and sisters and specifically with them, those who are in Christ, okay? Now, I'm not talking about theory. I'm talking about there's people who claim to be Christians that you actually know and you're maybe sitting next to them right now, right? There's actual human beings that you know, not just that edge, there's actual humans that you know that claim to be Christians and you claim to be a Christian 
These are people, let's forget that they're not, not the theoretical group out there, but I'm talking about actual people you know that also claim to be Christians. We're to evidence this peace with God with them, okay? In fact, if I go back to that Ephesians passage, uh, 2.14 that I said earlier, if you go down to 2.17, it goes on and it says, he came and he preached peace to you who are far off and peace to those who were near, for through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. Stay right there. Oh, go ahead and click to that next verse. There should be a verse for that. There you go. <clears throat> Leave that there for a second. The thing about this is that I, I don't have time to expand the fullness of it, but in, he's right in the middle of talking about not just, do you see the us in there? Preach peace to those, right? And there is the last verse that had that us. And then there's, the, you see the we both have. Understand that this is right in the middle of a passage. It's not just talking about between me and God. It's also talking about this dividing wall of hostility between me and you because of this. In fact, in the bigger context of what he's talking about here, he's talking about Jews and Gentiles because God's kingdom is now, it was Jews. The Jews were meant to be a light to the world. They failed. That was part of God's ultimate plan because then he says, I'm gonna expand my kingdom. And in fact, you see hints of it all throughout the Old Testament, this kingdom expanding bigger and bigger and bigger until finally it's like the whole world. Well, how's that possible? Because you know what Jesus did? He said, I'm gonna break down this dividing wall of hostility between, the, I'm gonna get rid of us and them. And think of all the us's and them's that you have in this life. But in Christ, there's no us and them. It's just us. And we're to evidence this peace with God with each other. Now let's be honest for a moment. For the most part, we suck at that, don't we? We do a really poor job of demonstrating that. And I'm telling you right now, you know what? Here at Edgewood, we, there's things that we, we like, we love about being a small church, right? We, we like these things. I'm telling you, one of the most important things that we need to be doing as a small church, or even if we were a huge church, is this right here. Who cares what program you got? Who cares what thing you got going? Who cares how everything is? If you don't have a community of peace with each other, you are not displaying. In fact, I'm gonna tell you right now, the reason why you can't do that so well is because you're not doing the first one and embracing the peace with God. Because if you embrace the peace with, in fact, Jesus tells parables, it says that exact thing, doesn't he? He talks about it, he goes, he gives example of the guy, hey, I forgave you this huge debt you could never repay and you're worried about five bucks. And I'm telling you right now, if you, don't underst if you do understand this, you understand no matter what anybody else in the, in fact, let's just make it real, real. It, anybody in this room, if you go, I don't like them and what they've done, they owe me five bucks. I'm telling you what I'm saying, just so you're clear. I'm saying, I don't think you understand the love of God. That's what I'm trying to say. You don't understand the peace with God. In fact, if you can't have peace with the people in this room, you can't have peace with God. Because if you have peace with God, you're gonna have peace here too. And if you're struggling with the peace here, it's because you're struggling embracing the peace with God. But once you start to embrace this, suddenly this peace with other people, and you start to find, you start to find the more you embrace this, the more you go, People do stuff and you're like, I wouldn't have done it that way. I won't. It's honestly, it's like two cents to me. <laughs> I mean, I, the magnitude of what I've done, 
God's kingdom that he's forgiven me of and restored fellowship with me, and I'm going to get bothered by this? Grow up in faith. Tag that on there. <laughs> right? Don't you know what God has done for you? I came and preached peace. Goes on, it says, So then, because of that, you're no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. He's talking about the church. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, that, that cornerstone that he, he, when he talked about himself, he said this is a cornerstone that some will be built on, but some will be crushed by, but this cornerstone becomes a cornerstone of this church in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple. So we, we don't have a physical temple anymore. There's not, a, there's not a building that we're gonna go to in this life where we go, that's where we go to meet with God. No, the temple is now Christ himself, and we're all part of that structure. In him you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Chapter 3 of Ephesians talks about just the reality that that was a mystery that was hidden. That's what Paul calls it. It was a mystery hidden for ages past, but now it's been made clear that the the people of God are going to expand throughout the whole globe of every tribe, every nation. Ephesians 4 then says, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. And listen to these things he says. This is what, you go, what does evidencing this peace with God look like? Here it is. Humility. Gentleness. Patience. We'll get ready for the next one. Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> Bearing with one another. Bearing with one another. Too often people get upset in the meeting. You know, that's one, that's one of the downsides. I'm not, I'm not criticizing big church, but I tell you, one of the downsides is it's too easy to get into one of those big churches and not have any connections at all. You never have to do this. Right? You can go to a church and never have to do this. You can probably do that here too. Never have to do this. You're missing out on being part of the structure of the temple of God in this life. When I tell people you should go to church, it's not because you're gonna hear great preaching. It's not because you're gonna hear great music. It's not because you're gonna have a wonderful atmosphere of wonderfulness. It's because I want you to have an opportunity to bear with other people in humility, gentleness, and patience. That is key. must do it peace with God embrace that peace with God peace with others work at it so it evidences this peace with God but then offer the peace to others go ahead and click I don't know if I have another scripture in there Um, in Luke chapter 1 I wanted to throw in another Luke one there that I talked about earlier Luke chapter 1 It's talking about Christ's coming. And these are reiterations of things that have been talked about for hundreds of years through prophecies. To give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide our feet into the way of peace. There's a a part of what Christ did and what we are now to do as part of his earthly structure, this 
cornerstone and this building that's being built up. He did it. We're to do it. We're to be a light. And the way that we're to be a light is through this evidencing of peace with each other. Because in the end, we want to be able to offer it now to everyone else. Go ahead and click to the next slide. Offer this peace to others. What do we say? Ever, anybody can get in on this. Well, that, that doesn't carry any weight if people go, come in and they go, I don't want in on this. <laughs> right? Now, offering peace to others. I'm going to get to some scriptures in just a second. I want, no, go ahead. Let, let's go ahead and get to this next one. Luke 2.14. Go back to that statement by those um, angels. You may have heard that phrase differently. Glory to God in the highest on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. We usually hear it, peace on earth, goodwill towards men. That's not terrible. Um, but go ahead and click to this next. Across the board, and this, I, I wanted to get a really old commentary because across the board, commentaries from way back all the way to today will tell you the same thing about that passage, what those words mean. He says here, Calvin, he says, <clears throat> the angels rather speak of it. I'm going to say it, then I explain it. Okay, so I'm going to read it, and you're going to go, what? And then I'll explain it. Is that okay? All right. The angels rather speak of it as the source of peace. And see, you, you caught those words, didn't you? That, that goodwill towards men, that's talking about that's the source of the peace. It's not a separate thing. Like if there's a comma in there, peace on earth, comma, goodwill towards men, that's a bad way of looking at it. Besides the fact that there wasn't commas in the Greek, right? <laughs> Greek scholar just confirming that for me, right? <clears throat> the angels speak of it as the source of peace and thus inform us that the peace is a free gift. It's by grace, in other words. It flows from the pure mercy of God. This peace is just coming from God's mercy, his grace. This goodwill towards men is God's goodwill towards you. And then you get to have peace. That's what it's saying. It's thought better to read goodwill to, to men or towards men. He says, that would not be inadmissible. In other words, that's not so bad. So far as regards the meaning, for in this way it will show the cause of peace to be. That God has been pleased to bestow his undeserved favor or grace on people with whom he formerly was a deadly variance. Because of Christ, the enmity, your role in humanity is a traitor to God the Father. And you go, how is that the case? You have rejected and betrayed his purposes for your life from the very beginning. And that's our lot in humanity. It started with our fathers. So when I say I get it from my father, I'm not just talking about the guy over there talking about all the way back it's peace to whom God is pleased now before we go to the last slide think about that for a second so the peace with God is bestowed by grace now your car broke down you go to the mechanic you're pretty sure this mechanic's ripping you off you ever had that experience there's no mechanics in here all wonderful help um you you get the bill and you're thinking something's wrong here and then some this this little evil monster raises up within your soul and is like right must happen justice must happen to my bill And you go barging into the, how can you? You have destroyed your chance to present peace to this person by 
the way God does it to us, by unearned favor. Oh, you see? How, how in the world can you offer this kind of grace, the peace with God to others, if you're more concerned with your restaurant bill? Or you're more concerned with how loud your neighbor's music is? Or you're more concerned with how that guy cut you off on the road? Do I need to go on? Okay. I was hoping you're picking up what I'm sitting down. Okay. But do you see what I'm saying? How can, if the peace that God offers is peace by grace and pure Unadulterated grace, pure mercy, nothing, nothing at all based on the person he's giving it to. If, if that's the kind of peace that you want people to experience, how can you be so ungrace-filled and so without peace in this world? You do not represent Christ if you act like that in this world. And I would rather you switch teams than defame his name. You hear that? I can say it like that because it's my last Sunday. I would rather you switch teams than defame the name of Christ. I would rather I, would rather I get taken out of this world than defame the name of Christ. I pray, there's times I pray, Lord, Lord, if I'm gonna defame your name, just take me out now. The same goes for all of us. If, you're, if you can't embrace this peace that God has offered you, and you can't live it out with your brothers and sisters in Christ because they're at least supposed to be doing it back, you're never gonna be able to offer it to the world with pure grace and mercy if you get more worked up about an extra whatever on this whatever problem. I don't even, wanna, I don't even know how to fill in the blank. It's junk. Everything, it's, it's worthless nonsense if you can't take this piece and demonstrate it. The last verse for you, and then we're gonna listen to a song. Isaiah 52, seven says, how beautiful. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, God's kingdom, don't miss this, how can someone do all those things? You publish the peace and you publish the good news and it's beautiful. our God reigns. He's established a kingdom bought and paid for by his shed blood. And you are called to be a part of this kingdom and to demonstrate that to the world. Insurmountable until you've been changed by his grace. So I'm going to tell you right now, embrace it full on. If you're sitting here today and you have not embraced it full on, maybe you've been, some of us, some of us like to date God's grace. 
like to see it when I'm interested, not today, I'm busy. I'm trying to embrace it full on, the grace of God. And when you do, it will change your life. And if you've been toying around with the grace of God, I'm like, I love it. I don't know if I can go all in. Today's that day. Do it today. Just do it today. Don't waste another day of your short life on anything else. Nothing else is worth it.